Episode 46, I'm Jet Dunlap and this is Psychotherapy. Brought to you by the letter J. Thinking about starting it with a Sesame Street thing now because uh, I kind of liked it the last time. And uh, I'm the boss of no one. (laughs) That's true. But I guess I'm also the boss of me, so I can do whatever I want. So there you go. It's brought to you by the letter J. So yeah, this is a special request episode. So a friend of mine, my friend Jerdy, to protect his name, recommended this episode because his significant other, Birdie? You know, these little name things I'm doing are getting very confusing. But let's say, oh yeah, Birdie has anxiety. And Birdie is trying to lose weight. And Birdie is having a real hard time. And I talked to Jerdy for a long time. And Jerdy was explaining to me how this is a special situation and how I don't understand. Now, he understands that I do, but these are just knee-jerk kind of reactions saying, you don't have any idea how much this person has been trying. And I do, and I do sympathize, but for things to change, you must change. How many times do I say that? And you must look at it from a new discipline. That's what this episode is about. It's about stopping yourself from making new, beautiful, glistening excuses and starting to take real change and charge of your life. Oh, man. <laughs> And taking change of charge of your life. Me, 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 me. I'm so blah, blah, blah. I'm making fun of myself because sometimes I get into that whirlwind of, it's time for you to do it. And, uh, and I mock myself so that I stay humble. And that is important. And if you're listening to this for the first time, you're thinking, this guy's psycho. Well, you saw that when you read the show. So, fooey on Yui. So this episode is about a person who has all the excuses in the world and is still at the same place they were before. That sounds mean. Let's say you are overweight because a lot of this topic is about being overweight. And why do I keep tackling that? Because it's only about what 90% of people over the age of 30 are dealing with. So, okay, you know, right down the middle, it's something you have and I want to deal with it. Let's say what I just said and what I'm saying to you now is talking to the weakness in you and the fat in you. If you hear the episode, you're going to know I'm not judging. For God's sake, I'm trying to help. I use an example in this by saying, if a doctor tells you you're overweight, he's not fat shaming you, he's trying to help you. Do you want to be around till you're 80 or do you want to be around till you're 60? Let's increase those odds. That's not shame, that's pride. That's your friends wanting you around. If you were smoking, I'd say the same thing. If you were over drinking, I'd do the same thing. If I cared about you and I felt you could be helped. So I'm talking to the weakness in you just like I would talk to the weakness in me. So I'm saying, stop making excuses, weakness. This isn't the person. I'm not talking to Birdie. I'm talking to the person inside of you who has been preventing you from being what you need to be, what you could be, what you could do. Who I am today after being sober for two years yesterday is a totally different person than I was when I started. Maybe I'll even put the picture of the difference in this show. I should. I will. I was. I tried. I am different. I gave myself a hard time. Did I shame myself? No. But did I look at myself in the mirror and go, and this is 100% true, I said, is this who Jet Dunlap is? And I looked hard and I said, no. This is not who I am. I am out of alignment with what I should be. And guess what? Now I look at myself in the mirror and I go, yep. I was dizzy at the gym the other day because I had done so many reps on one of these machines. And I looked at myself in the mirror as I was about to lean on something. So that's how hard I had done the reps, right? Just so you get an idea of how dizzy and kind of out of it I was. And I winked at myself. 
I winked at myself. Can you believe that? How insane is that? I was hitting on myself. No, I was mentally diminished because I was so tired and the blood had rushed out of my head. But I was so attractive to me that I winked at myself in the mirror, and I want you to have that. (laughs) Talk about loving yourself. I was hitting on me. That takes effort. And I'm not saying that'll happen to you because you're not cuckoo nuts, but that is not how I felt about myself three years ago. I was ready to throw in the towel. Every day I woke up, I felt terrible. I looked in the mirror and it affected me. Should I be over that aesthetic thing? Is that beneath me? Should I be more like the Buddha? All right, I guess I should, but I'm not the Buddha. (laughs) Spoiler alert, Jet. Wow, okay, now we know. So with that said, without further ado, I want to give to you the show that Jerdy wanted me to do for Birdie. And remember, I'm Mr. Gertie. So here it is. My prescription to you is 30 milligrams twice a day of psychotherapy. And it's going to start right now. Jet, why don't you do an episode on anxiety? Huh? That sounds like a topic people would want to hear about. Why don't you do that topic? Says the person to me yesterday. It's funny because most of the people who listen to my show are going to pick up at the last episode that was played. And then they'll comment to me, and this is just a twist of fate, something that likes to give me a hard time in the sky. Let's call him Gertie the Space Angel. Gertie the Space Angel likes to give me a hard time and throw little daggers at me to bother me by having people call me up or text me or message me and say, Hey Jet, why don't you do something on the topic you just did? So... Recently, I had someone reach out to me and say, Hey, Jet, you should do something on anxiety. 45 episodes about mental illness, and I haven't done one on anxiety? Come on, ladies and germs. Of course I have. Listen to the episodes, and you will know that this is something that is prevalent in every single one of the issues that I discuss. Because anxiety may not be what you think it is. What? That's not possible, Jet. It is what I think it is, because what I think is right. No, what you think is wrong. And the good news is I was wrong too, but then I figured it out. Why? Talk therapy, experts, reading books, and even talking to people in the world of psychiatry and hypnotherapy. You heard it. So let's talk about anxiety in a way where it's not ambiguous. And I say, we're talking about anxiety. Here's the first thing you need to know about the topic. Okay, you're probably not suffering from anxiety. The person who asked me to do this episode was talking about someone in their life that suffers from it, but not them, which is always funny because it's like, well, this friend of mine, he um, needs Cialis or might need Cialis. So I was wondering if I could get a prescription for him because of course I don't have any problem with erectile dysfunction. I am a super functioning erectile, but my friend, he, you know, <laughs> let's just say he has the same name as me. And let's just say you're writing the prescription for me and my wife. But uh, I don't think his wife would need it. But I don't know much about those kind of drugs because I am as virile as a young bull. That's just because I have a special life where I'm able to work out all day long and focus on me. Why am I talking to you about my virality? Was that a trap? Nice try, buddy. Anyway, anxiety. Remember that movie, High Anxiety with Mel Brooks? That's a good example of anxiety. Here it is. When people talk to me, including the person who asked me to speak about this today, when they're referring to it, They're almost always wrong. Here's why. People will say, I know I 
That's what people say to me. I know I have. People will say, I know I have anxiety issues and I need to be treated for it because I get nervous when I have to take a test or I become socially awkward or I don't like approaching someone I've never met before or I get uncomfortable when I start a new job or when a deadline comes, I'm nervous. I have issues with thinking about how I need to lose weight. I'm anxious about my relationship. Well, I've got some tough news for you. That is not clinical anxiety. That is stress triggered by events. So let's give definition to this, and I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your sensitivities, but it's better to get real and get over something than to deem yourself something just because it's easier to say you suffer from that problem. These same people who talk to me about this say, I have a really hard time losing weight. And you have to understand, Jet, it's harder for me. Is it going to be genetically easier for some people to do it than others? Of course. Are some people going to have, you know, access to things that you don't or time you don't have? Yes. But anyone who says they don't have time, I can find someone in their life, on their Facebook, who has less time than them that is achieving what they want. Excuse is gone. I just obliterated your excuse. You being stressed out about the things in life that stresses everyone out since the dawn of time is not chronic anxiety. We all get nervous before tests. Even I have trepidation before I want to talk in front of a room. Or if I have to approach someone like in the episode I talked about where I talked to that person at the front of Gina's yoga's class. Yoga's class. (laughs) Yoga's class. First, grab your knees. Lotus position we have. So... When I talked about Gina's yoga class, before I did it, there was that voice in my head that's like, who are you to say this? I've just learned to overcome that. Now, I have plenty of problems that you guys don't have problems with, right? You hear it in my voice. How many times do I screw up in speaking and I'm a professional speaker? I can barely read and I cannot spell. So don't think when you're listening to this show that I have everything figured out. I have some of the things figured out or I'm working on the things actively that are in the show and that's why I have the show. So I don't want anyone to think, obviously, you know, I'm not perfect because I've already screwed up six times in this episode, but I don't want anyone to think that I'm coming from some high place. What I'm saying is I have these same issues, but I've learned more about them. Why do I keep stressing on the fact that you should not deem yourself something unless it is diagnosed? It was six years of educational therapy before they knew that I had ADD. They knew I had dyslexia pretty early because that was something that was able to be diagnosed by the time I was in third grade. Depression took about 15 years. They could have said I was sad, but then all the tests that they did with my talk therapist and my psychiatrist, because I was in a different world, and I don't want to say a different generation, because I don't think it was a generation as much as it was who I was. Who I was, who I was, who I was. Nice word usage, Jet. See, there I go screwing up again. Anyway, I didn't want to be these things. I didn't take pride in it. Until I started the show, I never admitted to anyone that I was an alcoholic. Yesterday was my two-year anniversary of sobriety, by the way. And I did an episode on that, but it was boring and you won't hear it. Sorry. But I didn't even want to admit that. Because the way I was raised, you want to be as flawless as possible and take no excuses. But the reason it's so important to find out if you are clinically something or if you're just going through something is is, (laughs) is that it is a drastic difference in treatment. Okay? So 
if you are having a hard time or you are stressed about awkward situations, that is a part of being human. That's human. If you are in the dark and you hear something that frightens you at night, there is not a pill for that. Okay? That is our human instinct working the way it's supposed to. If you are scared about a test, even if you are prepared, that is human. Now, anxiety that is chronic is linked into a lot of other chemical issues, such as depression. Now, I just saw my psychiatrist two days ago, so I'm coming straight off this. I wouldn't be giving you guys advice if I hadn't been continuously studying this. Chronic anxiety is something that you cannot stop. Someone who's agoraphobic, they can't leave the house. Someone who this interrupts their life to such an extent that they are not operating within normal parameters of life. So that is the definition. From me, you can look it up. It's pretty similar. I'm not quoting anything. But that is chronic. Depression at my lowest meant that I wanted to not live anymore for years. That I thought waking up the next day was the worst thing that could happen because if yesterday was an indication of tomorrow, I didn't want to be around. That's depression for years. Not just one day because something went wrong. That's conditional and that makes sense. I spend a lot of time stressing this because I really want to help you and I don't want you to deem something larger than it is. You may call yourself, and here's what the specific question was from my friend, anxiety tying into weight loss. Almost all these things have a domino effect. If you're depressed, you're probably anxious. If you're anxious, you probably have relationship issues. These are all probabilities. I'm not saying I happen to have a great relationship, but I've worked on it. So a lot of these things kind of cascade. Because if you're depressed, you're going to be anxious about things, right? You're already starting from a place of depression. Now, I'm an alcoholic who's depressed, who has ADD and dyslexia. So things like reading and writing in front of people is very tough. Imagine me auditioning when I couldn't read what I was looking at. I had to pretend I didn't have glasses or something. You heard my episode where I was a kid and I couldn't read in class and I did a Texas accent for a week. Go back to my old episodes. There's some good ones in there. I'll start labeling them better so you can see them. But in regards to weight loss or trying to achieve something, how anxiety is keeping you back or not was the question of my friend. Okay. When you decide, desi- when you decide, when, here, look, I'm going to Chris Walken again. I can't help myself. I've got voices coming up all the time now. When you decide to change something. <laughs> when you decide to change something. Now I'm going into Kirk. When you decide to change something, there will be obstacles. What is change? You're going down a path that you've gone down for the majority of time. You are now deviating from that path. That is change. So neurologically, you're building new canals. Physically, you're walking in a new direction. Everything is going to alter in this new path. Difficulty, anxiety, and sadness will be a consequence. But what are we talking about here? Temporary pain for long-term pleasure. You decide to lose weight. December 31st. Up until that week, you have adrenaline You have dopamine, you're excited, dopamine, the pleasure center of your brain, the chemical. And you go, I'm going to lose this weight. And you start picturing what you'll look like during the summer, your vision. This is good. Imagination. It's going to feed your desire. I'm going to do it this time. You tell all your friends, which is good, holding yourself accountable. This time, it's different. (laughs) Have you done that? January 1st, the gym is so crowded. You can't walk through the check-in without bumping shoulders. March 1st, 
you could shoot a cannonball through the gym and it won't hit anyone. Commitment is sticking with something long after the emotion that made the decision has subsided. So that adrenaline, that chemical adrenaline that makes you make the decision, because that's exciting, that's a vision, that's the future, that's I want to go somewhere cool one day. I want to meet the right person. I want to have this exciting job. You have an adrenaline spike just thinking about your future. That's what humans can do. We can imagine. That's how you get movies and airplanes and rocket ships. And brilliant art. But the actual putting on of the gym shoes in the morning and going to the gym is difficult. Then comes the anxiety that is happening to my friend. This person, I can't even say he or she. It's not the person I talked about last time. It's not Gertie. Let's call this person... Birdie. So Birdie, who's actually my friend's friend, but I know her too. Oh, I said her. Let's just call her Birdie. Anyway, Birdie gets new shoes. Birdie talks to all her friends who are fit. I have to turn this around. My doctor says I'm unhealthy. Remember, when I talk about these people, I'm also using an amalgamation of different folks. So don't try and figure it out. I have people like Alex McGrellis hitting me up and trying to guess who Gertie was. Well, I'm not going to tell you who Birdie is either. But in this case, let's say Birdie's 100 pounds overweight. So someone who is in a problem situation. I've said before, you can accuse me of fat shaming. I'm talking about friends of mine who, if they don't change, will be people I'm going to the funeral of in their 60s. And I don't want that. Do you get the difference? This isn't fat shaming. This is me doing anything I can to help these people. And I get a little frustrated. I'm not saying you're accusing me of that. I'm not even saying society does that. But I'm saying if you're 150 pounds overweight and you're in pain, your back hurts, your body hurts, you feel shame, and that shame causes anxiety... Is loving the skin you're in the best advice? I said in another episode, if you go to the doctor and the doctor says, no more monkeys jumping on the bed, damn it, (laughs) I'm trying to be serious. If the doctor says, if you don't lose weight, you're going to die. They said this to my grandfather. They said this to one of my uncles. If they say that to you, is that fat shaming? Or is that saying that there is an actual causality to your choices? That your arteries are clogging and you could have a stroke and a heart attack and die. So Birdie wants to change. Birdie puts on her shoes. That was just a little disclaimer to know where I'm coming from. Puts on, and, and it's something I've done. You want to see the pictures of me three years ago when I was 212 pounds to my 158 now? You know I went to Weight Watchers. You know I stopped drinking. You know I became a vegetarian. You know I cut out sugar for the most part. So it's not like I'm not walking the walk. I say that to say that I'm not just coming from someplace on high telling you what to do as if I've never had this issue. It's like alcoholism. Why do I talk about it? Because I suffer from it. Okay, yesterday was my two-year anniversary, so I feel like I can talk about overcoming things that are chronic. Okay, so you go to the gym, and you're 100-something pounds overweight. You put on the shoes, you go to the gym, and guess what? The people there, some of them look like you, but that's not what you focus on. You focus on the people who don't look like you, people who look like Gina and I, the after picture. You know, I'm not looking at the before in my case. You're looking at the after picture. I say Gina and I because a lot of people start talking to us about fitness. You know, they, they look at us, and they go, okay, well, how did you get there? Sensible, fine question. So they feel more sensitive about it in front of us. So we think it's probably more of an epidemic with people than normal because it's just something that folks like to talk to us about, whether I'm on set or anything. So you get to the gym, Birdie does. She puts on the shoes, she goes in there, and she's sizing herself up against other people. She's comparing herself to other people. Well, I'll never get there, but let me try. Gets on the machine, she doesn't know how to use the machine. Right, she can't figure it out. She's embarrassed. Am I wearing the right clothes? These people don't look the same as me. Why am I doing this? I'm so stupid. This is dumb. I'm never going to get there. Because on the first day, you don't look the way you want to. But she makes it through it, figures it out. She feels silly. She posts that she's at the gym, and she's proud. The next day, she goes again. The next day, she goes again. 
then something comes up. My kid needs to be taken somewhere, or I just have some kind of obligation at work that I can't go. Then two days go by, then three days go by, and she never goes again. Then what happens? This is where the anxiety comes in, and this specific example my friend was talking to me about. I am so anxious because I haven't been going to the gym as much as I should. Now, you're out of shape, but you have something new. You're out of shape and you feel guilty about being out of shape, but you also hate the gym. When I go to my Weight Watchers meetings, my Weight Watchers meetings, I went this Sunday. I'm in phenomenal shape, but I go because I need to be reminded. I'm not over psychologically the overeating thing. I'm just a person who is in good shape, who still has those problems, who is still working on them, right? So now that poor person, Birdie, has a new issue. She's still overweight. She's now sore. She feels like everyone's counting on her going to the gym and she's not doing it. So she feels like a failure and anxiety sets in. And do I need to tell you that she starts eating more and the cycle continues? And people think this is a one-year-old, you'll get over it. No, this is something that happens to people for 40, 50 years, right? One of the things that Weight Watchers taught me is don't feel bad about the days where you overate. That's gone. That's done. You know how in Weight Watchers, they have a point system for everything. So this food is worth this points. They say, count it as zero and move on. It's a guilt of that overindulgence that is going to hurt you. No one got fat from eating one whole pizza. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite things about the kind of shape I am in right now is that I had pizza this week, and on my anniversary of my sobriety, I had a Cinnabon. One little Cinnabon, but that was my treat. And I know that sounds lame. Oh, you have one Cinnabon once a year? What a lame-o. I get it. I hate me too. I'm a vegetarian, and... I have a top knot, I'm 40 years old, and I have a mustache, and I'm a jerk. I get it. But I get to do those things because I've gotten to a place where it's okay. When I first got into Weight Watchers, I was a big fat tub of goo, and I felt horrible. I've told you before, it took me three months, and they said, can you just lose three pounds a month at Weight Watchers? And I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. And I felt so horrible. So then I'm fat, I'm working out, and I feel horrible. So I understand what Birdie's going through. But it's the guilt of not achieving what you're trying to that makes you overeat again and keeps you in the cycle. That anxiety is not the sign of a chronically anxious person. That is natural. So what do you have to do to stay in the gym when it comes to March? Do it anyway. Boom. It sucks. Cool. It hurts. Move on. I'm not talking about chronic pain, obviously. I don't want to. Perfect. You're not special, people. You're not. You can be. And maybe some of you are, but most of us are not special. You think it's hard for you to go to the gym? You are among everyone on earth. You think it's tough for you to not overeat? You think it's tough to go up and speak in front of a crowd? Tough for everyone, even actors, until it's not. This idea that you have a special problem that you want to diagnose is because if it is special, then you have an excuse. I am dyslexic. I have ADD. I have clinical depression and I'm an alcoholic. Listen to all those excuses. You know what they are for me? They're obstacles I have to overcome every single day, but I will overcome them because they do not define who I am. Is this getting a little preachy? Gina, is this getting a little too personal development-y? If you don't get that, it's my wife sometimes gets on my case for me becoming too much of a Tony Robbins guy or Phil, Phil Collins. <laughs> not a Phil Collins. A Phil Donahue? Not a, no, that's not it either. Uh, what's that guy's name? That guy who's Oprah's friend? Why do I forget these things? Oh, because my dyslexic ADD brain. Oh, poor me. Phil Hartman. Phil. Dr. Phil. Jeez, come on. So I don't want to get too Dr. Phil on you, but I am strict about this, right? Because if you want to change, you can change, but it's not going to be easy. 
When you make that decision on December 31st, which I recommend you don't do, and I recommend you doing it right now, I got sober on October 23rd, not the first of the year, because I knew what kind of pressure would come along with that, because I'm also going to be dealing with people who did the same thing, so I now have society's anxiety and the news talking about it all the time, right? So I did it early. If you start going on your diet right now, you can still eat a lot on Christmas Day. You can start eat, still eat a lot on Thanksgiving, but the majority of the days in between that, you don't have to overeat. This planet is going to make you anxious. This life is going to make you anxious. And if you don't have any anxiety, you're not human. It's a built-in biological evolutionary thing. You can't change that. You can't not have anxiety. When I was talking to my psychiatrist this week, she said, how is your medication going? How do you feel? Do you feel happier? And I said, well, I don't wake up every day feeling like sunshine and rainbows. Matter of fact, I get depressed every single day and I have to get over that. Am I happier than I was when I was totally depressed? Sure. But happiness is not what I'm after. Contentment. I want to be able to have enough energy to achieve because achievement is what makes me happy about myself. And I have to go through the anxiety. Because on the way to success, there's always going to be obstacles. And whether that's weight loss or just trying to do something you've never done before, you need to do it. Now, I could be very sensitive and most of the people I talk to about this want me to reinforce their fears. I get it. I sympathize. I empathize. It's hard. It's not fun. That's change. Right? I can't tell you that it's impossible because that's ridiculous. Someone in a far worse situation than you has done it. So you can too. Right? And if you want to, you will. And if you don't, you won't. And when you don't, just decide that that's a decision. I decided not to do it. Then there's power in that. And this is for anything. It doesn't just have to be weight loss. It can be, I've always wanted to be an actor. I've always wanted to be an actress. I've always wanted to learn another language. I've always wanted to take a dance class. I hate using these arbitrary examples, but sometimes that just resonates with people. They go, oh, wow, now he's finally touching home. I didn't get it before. This life, things are going to be difficult before they're easy. How many times have I said this? You're going to suck. Then you're going to be okay. Then you'll be good. But in my case, I'm never going to be as good as other people. So I can't pretend like I'm going to be that way. I look at people at the gym who have been there half the time as I have, and they're in twice as good a shape. Boo-hoo, says the ghost. It's nothing I can do about that. I got to keep working. Now, if they go away or stop doing it, and I'm still doing it every single day, then I'll beat them even though they have genetic advantages I don't, because I'm going to be more consistent than them. I've done that plenty of times in different things. My job at AT&T required a master's degree. I didn't have one, but I worked harder than the other people, so I kept my job and did really well. I was number one. So it can be done, but it's not going to be easy. You just have to know that. Now, let me tell you what it feels like when you actually get to the finish line or close to it. You know, I don't think I'm finished, but I'm definitely a lot better off than I was before, especially in the physical part. It's better. You feel better. I don't get colds that last any amount of time. As a matter of fact, I don't realize I have them. When I was heavy and I was out of shape and I was drinking and eating wrong, I would have colds that felt like they lasted the whole year. I felt like all winter I was sick and laid out. I don't have that anymore. Is that a miracle? Is that a coincidence? You can call it whatever you want, but that's the reality. I don't want to get sick as I get older because being in the hospital sucks. If you've been in the hospital for any length of time, you'll understand that. So if that's your motivation, do it that way. Maybe it's not trying to look sexy to your partner, which could also be a motivation. I'm not trying to jump in your head and tell you what you should do and what you should not do, but I am telling you, since this topic was brought up, to me by someone else. And this person who brought it up to me was making all these excuses for her partner, her partner or his partner. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you who Birdie is or who Jerdy is. Jerdy is the person who told me. And of course, I'm Gertie, Mr. Gertie. But uh, that's a last episode joke. <laughs> you wouldn't understand. Here's the deal. You can make excuses or you can change. It's going to be tough. 
and you might be anxious. Get over it. What are you going to do? Stop trying? Are you going to stop trying? Do I sound like some kind of coach in high school? It's never going to be easy. So get used to it being tough. And then you learn how to enjoy the toughness like I do. When I tried rock climbing, I'm going to start getting into CrossFit because my ankle's too bad to do rock climbing right now. It's going to be tough and I'm going to suck. I like being the smallest fish in a big pond. If I look around in a room and I'm the best person at something, I need to get out of that room because there's no learning in a room where I'm the best. If I'm in a room where I'm the funniest, I'm not learning. If I'm in the room and I'm the fittest, I'm not learning. If I'm the sharpest guy in the room, I'm not learning. Does that mean that I only hang out with those people? No, but when I want to challenge myself, I must go into another room where the people are more advanced. And that's not a judgment. That's who they are in the subject that I'm talking about. Because I believe, and I've told you many times, this earth is a training facility. This earth is a gym for your soul. A soul gym. Would that be a good band name? Probably not. Buck Cherry was already taken. It's true. I want you to succeed, and when I seem harsh, it's because, okay, let's do it this way. I'm talking to the weakness in you. Hey, weakness, get out. Get out of there. And you can't chase out weakness without effort. You can't chase out weakness without effort. That's how it is. If you start now, you'll be happier than if you start next year, because you won't start next year. You don't have time? I'll show you a single mother who has a job that's full-time, and six kids who's in perfect shape. Look on Instagram. I'm sure you could even hashtag that. What's your excuse? There isn't one. Sorry, the world is now available for our eyeballs. You can look up someone who relates to you. Now, if you can't do it on your own, it's another piece of advice I gave my friend to give my friend. So it's, what did I call them? Jerdies? Yeah, it's Jerdies Birdies. Jerdies Birdies, come on down. Sounds like a Christmas decoration place to me. This person is so nice about their partner that they want to make excuses too. Gina and I don't do that for each other. But it took a long time. It's something we've worked on. Gina knows where she is negligent in her life, and I know where I am negligent in my life. And when I start talking about it, I cut myself off. And if I don't, she will. That doesn't mean we don't like each other. It means we really love each other. I heard this, and I think it's kind of an excuse for being a jerk, but there's some validity to it. I heard that fake friends tell you what you want to hear. Real friends tell you what you need to hear. I'm that real friend. Not always fun, but long-term, it's why I have such strong relationships with people. Because they've already talked to all the people who say, you look great, you're amazing, but when they go to bed, they feel horrible, or they've been drinking too much and they're embarrassed. And when they're ready to hear the real stuff, they call me. Not Ghostbusters. They call me. My other episode that I recorded before this was a little different. It was about the movie Joker. And it was about my two years of sobriety. But both of those subjects didn't seem like something that was anything other than anecdotal nonsense. So, as usual, I did what Carson Daly used to do when he was on Total Request Live. I totally took those requests and put them live. You know, my version, pre-recorded live. So, this was the topic. Based on user feedback. And I hope it helped. I always feel guilty because when I have a couple of ones that are slightly amusing or very amusing, I feel that I'm tonally messing with that. But... When you recommend this show, and I really hope you do, don't be selfish. I'm doing this to help people, and if you have value in it, then other people will have value in it. I'm hoping people will recommend specific shows. So I have this idea. I have new business cards I'm giving out on set and to people about my show. But I want to have this little prescription pad 
and give people prescription numbers for the right episode. So, oh, you should take two 22s and one 30 and a 40, right? That's not ego. I mean, it would have been three, four years ago, but it's, I've said these words and they were said in a way that made sense and has helped people. And I want you to get help too. So recommend this to people that you feel can benefit from it. Don't try and explain it. You know, I learned that a long time ago. I try and, especially when I was new at this, I learned to recommend books. And I have. I've recommended books, movies, songs, whatever. I'm disseminating that information in a more condensed form. But I tried recommending and not explaining the whole thing, right? Because some people need to experience it. So recommend them to an episode. And rate these episodes if you like them. Help me help you help me. I'm not getting paid. I have no intention of getting paid or even looking at that till I get to episode 100. If something changes, something changes. I have to be malleable. But I'm approaching 50, so I'm looking at number 50 to 100 differently than I did from 1 to 50. But I don't want this to be in a vacuum. And I accidentally did hear some of the numbers of subscribers on this show, and I was overwhelmed. It's incredible. I can't believe how many people are actually downloading this and subscribing. And that's great. But I explained to a friend of mine the other day in text, I really do see this as something that could save someone from making a dire mistake in their life. If they just heard the episode about how I helped that guy get to a meeting instead of doing heroin again who had a kid on the way. And I want you to help me with that because I'm doing it and you can do it. And if there's something else out there that you think is better, recommend that too. I'm not saying there isn't something. This is what I'm attached to, so I'm only going to speak to the thing I know. I'm full of malarkey, I have too much to say, and you know how I end these days. Jet Dunlap is out of words, so all I can say is thank you for listening. You're great, you're beautiful, you're powerful, and get started on the start, my friends. This is Psychotherapy. Talk to you next time.